In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. Um, did you ever hear the story of Steve Bartman? Steve Bartman. Some of you sports enthusiasts know immediately who that is. It was October 14th, 2003, and the Cubs were playing the Marlins in Game 6 of the National League Championship at Wrigley Field. Now, the Cubs hadn't won a pennant in 95 years. Uh, that's because of the billy goat curse, but you can read about that some other time. The Cubs were getting closer to the World Series with every single out. It was the eighth inning, and a Marlins batter hit a high fly ball to left field right near Steve Bartman. The ball uh, drifted foul, uh, but it was still catchable. It was an easy out. And as the ball drops down, Bartman reaches for it. It strikes his hands and falls to the ground. Now, what I didn't tell you um, is that Steve Bartman was not on the Cubs team. He was in the stands. And so the Cubs player goes over like this up the, foul, the wall and reaches his glove and instead of it falling into his glove, Steve's hand knocks it out because he, he's a Cubs fan. And he wants to be in the game. Um, unfortunately for Steve and the rest of his life, just about, uh, Steve um, was booed by the Cubs fans around him and trash was thrown at Steve. And security had to come get Steve. And, and, and he went home and six police cars had to surround his house to keep him safe. Uh, the governor of Illinois asked him if he wanted to be in a witness protection plan. <laughs> Jeb Bush invited him to, uh, to, to take asylum. He, invited, he, he offered him asylum. That's because as Steve's hand hit that ball and it, fell, and it fell not into the glove but, you know, onto the ground, the Marlins went on to score eight runs in that inning they lost game six, and then they lost game seven. And the next night, Marlins went on to the World Series, and the Cubs would not break the Billy Goat curse until 2016. Fun note, when it was all said and done, 2003 to 2016, they finally won a championship. They gave Steve uh, a championship ring. So, yeah. You know, I love Steve. Uh, ESPN made a movie about Steve, by the way. It is cringeworthy and awkward and also amazing. The Steve Bartman Incident. Maybe this is just my imagination, but I love the way that Steve loved his cubbies so much that he could not stand to just be an observer. He was so caught up in the reality of the Cubs breaking their curse that in a moment of sheer passion, he just couldn't go on as a bystander, as a spectator. I've got to do something. I'll catch the ball, right? After it was all over, Steve put out a statement. I'm truly sorry, he tells Cub Nation. I had my eyes glued on the approaching ball the entire time and was so caught up in the moment that I didn't even see the outfielder coming toward me and much less didn't put together that he could make a play. I love Steve Bartman. You know who else I think would have loved Steve Bartman? Is St. Luke and Jesus. 
St. Luke and Jesus. They would have loved Steve Bartman for his unwillingness to be and stay just an observer at such an epic event. Today's gospel reading is the last in a series of stories where Jesus is inviting all of his listeners in the gospel of Luke to become participators, to get in the game, to jump in, to no longer stay observers or critics. And his, his audience in Luke's gospel includes the disciples. He's saying one thing to the disciples, keep following me. To the crowds, he's saying, listen, the cost of discipleship is hard. So many people leave. And then to the Pharisees, he's challenging them, like with today's story. The kingdom may not be what you think. It's upside down. It's epic. It's like an upset. It's like a, the kingdom of God is like a National League championship game in that the losers win and the winners lose. We just sang it in that hymn, Mary's song, the Magnificat. The mighty are cast down from their thrones and the lowly are lifted up, where the hungry are filled with good things, but the rich leave empty. This is a theme for Luke. It's epic. It's an upset. God's kingdom is upside down. And Jesus wants you to participate in the kingdom, not just to watch it happen. In God's kingdom, everyone is invited to be a Steve Bartman. Everyone is called to participate, to play, and to get on the field. Find the Scripture insert, if you will. Look at the gospel passage with me, Luke 16, 19 through 31. This is our theme today, participating in the kingdom of God. There's only one way to experience it. You've got to participate in it. The story of Lazarus and the rich man is both straightforward and strange all at the same time. Right? In a straightforward sense, we read this story and we're like, we get it. This is a common teaching from the Bible. Um, you know, wealth can be dangerous for your spiritual health. It can blind you to the needs of others. That's everywhere in the Bible and especially a theme in Luke. That's straightforward. It's also strange though, really strange. If you're like me, the first reading, the first glimpse you take at it, you get very distracted by all the stuff that Jesus says about the afterlife. You're like, hmm, I've always wondered what happens afterlife, right? What is heaven? What is Hades? What in the world is Jesus talking about when he describes the fates of the rich guy and the poor guy? Is he really describing in a literal way heaven and hell? Here's the thing. The meaning of this story according to Bible scholars, gets lost if we get distracted by these first two questions. The story isn't primarily a teaching about money, although it certainly makes some wise uh, uh, points about wealth and poverty. It, nor is it a teaching about the afterlife. In fact, it, it's, it's not really primarily a teaching at all. It's more, scholars tell us, an invitation. Jesus is inviting us to do life God's way, to come out of the stands and participate in God's kingdom. Come, join me in my work to bring the kingdom of God. Follow me, experience the kingdom. I love uh, the way Martin Emmerichs, he says it this way, this parable is an invitation to participate in the great reversal. That's compelling. Participate in the great reversal where the humble are exalted 
and the exalted are humbled. Where do we see this in the story? Look through the text in the very first verse. Follow along with me almost like we imagine a camera lens on each of these characters. We're watching it like a video. The camera lens focuses first on the rich man. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple, fine linen, feasted sumptuously. Camera pans over now to, the, to Lazarus, the poor man. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus. Further down the passage, the camera lens includes now Abraham, and we're in a different setting. We're, we're in the afterlife. And then let me ask you this, where does the camera lens go next? From the rich man to Lazarus, to Lazarus, rich man, and Abraham, where does the camera lens end in this story? Where does the camera lens end in this story? It ends on the brothers, the five brothers. How interesting, how curious. It ends with the brothers being invited to do what their rich man, their brother, never did. The end of the parable, like a great story, is a surprise. It's a cliffhanger. We don't find out what happens to the brothers. We think it's about Lazarus and the rich man, but really it's about what happens to them after the story is over. Will they jump in and participate in the kingdom of God? Scholars point out, too, that this is actually not similar from the story that just happened previously a couple of chapters ago in Luke's gospel. You know this well, the story of the prodigal son, right? The story doesn't end with just the party and the prodigal son coming back and feasting and, yay, I'm so glad you're back. The story ends with the elder brother standing outside of the the party. And the question hangs there at the end of Jesus' parable, will the elder brother participate in the coming home party for his younger brother? Will he jump in to the kingdom of God, or will his self-righteousness keep him out? I want to suggest one more camera lens turn. Rich man, Lazarus, Abraham, the five brothers, and all of a sudden, at the end of the story, the camera lens is pointed at us. We're the five brothers. The question is put to you as the reader, will you jump into God's kingdom as Jesus began it? Will you jump in? Will you serve the poor? Will you participate in the great reversal? Will you respond to Jesus? Will you allow God's way of life to infiltrate not just your words and thoughts and emotions, but every boring moment of your life? participate, Luke invites us. Jump in, Jesus says. Now, what do I mean by participate? Really, I'm using a code word because the word for participate that Jesus uses, according to author Eugene Peterson, is repentance. Participation in the kingdom of God is repentance. Repentance is usually a scary word for us, and we think of it like, I need to get down on my knees and pray and confess my sin, it's sort of like an, like an individual moment with, with, with us and God. Peterson, in his book, Tell It Slant, argues that, that repentance is a team thing. It's a church thing. It's an us thing, a we thing. It's not something you can do on your own. Peterson says it like this, tacking on a recommended devotional practice to your already busy life, 
will not do it. That's not repentance, that's participation. Making a set of resolutions won't do it. Feeling sorrow and penitence deep in your heart over a misspent life, is, it's a good start, but it's not sufficient for the kind of participation, repentance that Jesus talks about. Moods can be cultivated, he says. Emotions are easily manipulated. What must be abandoned, here's a big phrase, but hang with me, is our understanding of repentance as the lonely, post-enlightenment individual bent on a quest for private salvation. In other words, it's participation in the kingdom of God with all the messy people of God, not just you in your prayer closet. It's a team thing. So maybe it would be helpful if I suggest six very brief ways, very practical ways that you can jump in and participate, that you can have your own, not as embarrassing, Steve Bartman moment. First, your job, your job. Yes, I said that, your cubicle, your office, your car, your cell phone hours, your job. Say, Josh, I have no idea what that would mean. Like, I get doing the Jesus way of life when I come to church. Everything looks, there's Jesus right there. You know, I mean, it looks, but when I go to the office, I'm just, nobody talks about Jesus, thinks about Jesus. Christians are depicted as weird, and the other Christians I know in my office are awkward, and on and on you go. What does the kingdom of God look like at my job? This Saturday, there's a conference in the Great Hall called the Common Good Conference, and that conference seeks to answer the question. Not what does it look like to be a Christian when you come to church, but out there in the real world. You can sign up all the way through Saturday. Just show up on Saturday. We'll take you. Number two, the Christian Service Center. By the way, all of these are at our website right now. Uh, Look under service opportunities. The Christian Service Center, it's been around 45 years in Orlando. We partner with the Christian Service Center. They fight hunger. They steer people away from homelessness. Um, Every spring for one week, the cathedral takes uh, a whole week of their daily bread hot lunch program where they serve the homeless all year, Monday through six days a week, something like that, a hot meal at noon. We show up, we sign up, we show up as a church, and we take every day that week and we serve. You can do that. Around Thanksgiving or Christmas, you'll see these blue bags blue bags everywhere. you got to fill them with groceries. We give those to the Christian Service Center, and they give those out. Here's number three, iDignity. iDignity. We were one of the churches originally that helped start iDignity back in the day. It, it hosts monthly ID clinics on the third Thursday of each month. We jump into their line of uh, volunteers, and we help a long list of people already lined up from early in the morning get their ID cards, find their birth certificates that have been lost, social security cards, replacement citizenship or immigration records, whatever they need. You realize, don't you, that if you don't have an ID card, you're literally stuck. You are stuck. Idignity. Here's the fourth. Support our missionaries. We pray for missionaries. Over the last few years, we've added a number of missionaries to our prayers of the people, right? Cy Todd, Aaron Deanst, Ann Miller, Teresa Ann Stett. We've got more missionaries than that in this congregation. We just haven't added them to the prayer list. When I say support them, I mean take them out to coffee, buy them a beer, ask them their story, 
Come alongside them. Don't just give money. Like, get to know them. What are your hurts? What are your joys? What is it like to serve Jesus out wherever in the world you serve him? Number five, support our newest staff member. We have a new priest coming. He's not a priest yet, but he will be. His name is Peter Tepper. Peter is coming with this family to be our priest for mission. We're dedicating a whole position on staff to help us do this. So when Peter offers some creative suggestions in the coming months, I'm so glad I can say this before he even gets here, and it makes all of us old fogies like me in this cathedral feel uncomfortable, and it will, be the first person on Peter's team. Join him. Participate with him in mission. Here's the last thing, number six. Sign up for one of the gatherings for Light Legacy Love. Light Legacy Love, there's already been a lot of um, participation. Actually, around a million dollars worth of participation has already occurred in this campaign. We want to do and dream big things for how the cathedral can not only keep the buildings up, but minister to families and minister to Orlando. Listen, you don't have to give a lot of money. We're not looking to just try to meet a number goal. What we're looking for is what Jesus is looking for in the Gospel of Luke, your participation. You can do that by signing up for an event. It's like a coffee thing or a a drinks and appetizers thing. Just join the conversation, even if you've already given. Those will be happening over the next couple months. Brothers and sisters, we have a chance right now in our lives to do what the rich man in this story never did. But to experience the kingdom of God, we've got to participate in the kingdom of God. Amen.